Hey, it's Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss. And as I think you know, this is Girlboss Radio. We talk about the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to or just around success. And this week, and likely for the foreseeable future, I'll be recording Girlboss Radio remotely, which means I'm in this, I mean, home office is an overstatement. It's a guest bedroom and it's a mess. It looks like the last apartment I inhabited and there's furniture and boxes everywhere. But all that matters is that the show sounds good. So that's our goal here. Uh, So thanks for sticking with us um, and listening each week. Um, My hope is to bring some joy, levity to your day, and hopefully some inspiration from some of these amazing women that we're all so lucky to hear from. On to today's show. This week, I'm joined by a very special guest, Victoria Modesta. She's a bionic pop star, model, avant-garde performance artist, and creative director whose work continues to challenge the way disability and differently abled women are perceived in today's world. Stay tuned for my illuminating conversation with Victoria. We talk about her against all odds upbringing that began in Soviet Latvia, her advice for creatives and entrepreneurs on how to navigate tough times like this global pandemic and how to create a non-traditional career path for yourself. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to Girl Boss Radio Pandemic Edition. I know. Wow, that sounds very chic. If there was anyone who was built to survive something like this, I think it's you. How are you faring? Yeah, you know, it's been a very, very tricky and strange, but like kind of insightful time because, you know, a lot of the things that are happening in the world right now are sort of very similar to some of the personal processes that I went through kind of earlier in my life, like through going in and out of hospital, through like, you know, having moments where perhaps like I was bed bound or whatever situations that kind of happened to me. And, um, and, and so a lot of things are kind of so close to home at the moment. Yeah. Is that giving you anxiety or perspective? It's, it's giving me perspective and also like, let's tap back into that survival kit and like figure out what I did, you know, because I think it's important Yeah, I mean, I think just for our listeners to understand a little bit about your story, I'd love, can you tell us where you grew up and a little bit of what, you know, what your childhood was like? Yeah, my my story is kind of, (laughs) it's sort of, I don't know whether I reframed it that way uh, because I was so into Disney, but it really is very resemblant of a classic fairy tale story against all odds. I uh, So I I was born when it was just a, towards the end of uh, USSR in Latvia. So it was, uh, it was kind of a very crazy time. And um, so I was like a Russian-speaking Latvian person. So by the time I was born to like a very young mom, uh, and by the way, my birth was just like, was kind of like where, I guess like when sort of fate or something decided to kind of just like throw a totally different dice for me, I um I basically had an accident at birth and um I guess the doctors weren't really competent and I was I was coming out breach and it was a really really traumatic birth and I um uh, they like 
they just pulled me out the wrong way basically and dislocated my hip and my shoulder and stuff. And after I was born, they didn't show me to my mother for like five days or something. And she was just like, where is my baby? And they were like, oh, like, do you actually want to see her? Like, should we not just like put her in an orphanage? This is the kind of time that was happening in USSR. You know, that kind of like made a big difference in my life. It kind of, it sort of installed me with like this spirit that I kind of need needed to prove myself to some sort of a point. I mean, like later on in my life that kind of resolved, but I think that that was like a very driving force for a long time. Um, and then, so then after that, I, I, I was kind of fine until I was six and I just ended up having a really short uh, left leg and cause they just damaged all my nerves. And so then I started having surgeries at like the age of six, basically. And it was pretty full on until I came to England, actually, till I was about 12. So from the age of like six till 12, I pretty much moved around different hospitals um, and had like, I want to say like 15 surgeries on my leg. Looking back on it now, that entire period of having reconstructive surgeries and lengthening surgeries and really kind of pretty much living in a hospital, like it sort of forced me to develop like very different skills to that you kind of generally get out there in the world if you just had like a regular upbringing. And I think the most important one was really kind of being shielded away from the current sort of like society that was happening around me because it was very strict. It was completely unforgiving. You know, like people would get beaten up if you like, if you're like a man and wore like an earring, you know, because they would think that you're queer. It was very, it was very, very harsh around that time. And so I kind of just like, I really just escaped into like my imagination really. And, you know, the more unbearable the reality was, the more I had to kind of force myself to reimagine it. And, you know, I'm always, I'm like thankful every day for that because it's something that it's like an extra sense, you know? And then, so, so after the time I went from one extreme of being in a hospital and not really going to school and not socializing to moving to UK. So I moved when I was 12 in 99. And then by the time I was uh, a teenager, I literally fell into the other extreme, which was the, the grown up version of Disney. And that is like, subculture uh in london that was all the crazy fashion and nightlife and all the most ridiculous things that you can think of i was like wow i was like this is this is fascinating um and you know i i I wouldn't say that i that i that i kind of led my life in the safest way i think that i was curious about i think like culture really specifically sort of fascinated me because it's like 
you know, now culture is a lot more mixed up, but I feel like back in the day, like if you were into a specific style of music or fashion, you're like dedicated to a whole lifestyle, a whole way of like thinking and feeling. You're an outsider. Yeah. Right. Subculture was yeah. a different culture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it's a lot more accepted now to be different, but you know, 10 years ago, if you were different, you were so weird. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) And it's one thing to be born different. It's another to choose difference or to just for that to manifest what becomes uh, really a self-made personality in person. Uh, And I want to just, you know, you mentioned coping Uh, you know, being in this isolated place, which we are all feeling right now, what were some of the coping mechanisms or what advice would you give our listeners to, uh, to do that for ourselves? You know, we have a very different experience than you did, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like there are similarities. What would you, what would you tell us we should be doing or thinking about in this, in this isolating time? I feel like this is really sort of the time to practice like your own sort of discipline and self-care. It's different for self-employed people, I think, or entrepreneurs, you know, because we know we get up and unless we fire up that fire in the stove, no one's going to do it for us. Like you just know, you know, like you have a mission and you're going to do it. And I feel like, you know, for a lot of people who aren't in that space, who aren't in that motivational space, you know, this is a really big opportunity to just kind of be able to look at your own time and be able to see, you know, what what is missing from your personal sort of relationship with yourself and what you need to kind of work on. You know, do you really struggle with discipline if you don't have like a timesheet that's sent to you of all the different places that you need to be? Um, you know, and I, I genuinely feel like this is a very important time for everyone and but also like you know just for everyone just to have some kindness to themselves and I I can't I can't speak highly enough of the book I've been reading of um Good Morning I Love You by Shauna Shapiro recently the entire essence of it is very much like just finding a little bit more patience and like the starting point is at any point right now. It doesn't matter if you've like, I don't know, had like four pizzas and haven't done a goddamn thing and like, and you feel really bad. Like, you know, this because guilt and shame literally makes us feel even worse and it like shuts off all the productive brain uh, function and we like literally go into this totally different place where there's no creativity, where there's no love, where there's no nothing. And it's really important not to go there and be like, okay, all right. I really struggled today. This felt awful. And this is like totally, my days are upside down. Everyone's getting on my nerves. I can't go and do anything, but you can just start again, literally just start again, you know, go and have a tub, you know, or like, Think of a person that makes you feel really like nourished emotionally. Give them a call, you know, and wake up and just start again. Like there is 
there's like no one judging you most of the time other than yourself, especially when it comes to this really delicate balance of just sort of, you know, making ourselves function in like, in a way that's, that's sort of good, you know, for ourselves and the world really. For me personally, that's been, that's been a lot of the things that I've been tapping into. Um, and, you know, I think that, um, there is a, there's, there's definitely like a period of restlessness. Well, now what, now what do I do? You know, how do I entertain myself now? And I think that that's when the sort of the self-care rituals became really important. And then you sort of realize that, you know, we, we kind of prep ourselves and sort of sort ourselves out in line, but kind of for the rest of the world and not really for ourselves. And now that you sort of don't have the opportunity to be going out there and, you know, showing your designer bag or your makeup technique or whatever, you're like, oh, well, what's this for? You know, and I think that it's just, it's just important to reconnect with that now, you know, because, you know, a lot of this stuff should be really just about making yourself feel like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of myself, you know, I'm, I'm showing myself love and I'm ready to like, like yesterday I, I really did it. I was like, I had a bath and like, I did all the things and I felt great. I felt like my entire day at home went like 30% better just because I got myself ready as if I was going out to see someone, you know? It's so simple. That's a big one. And I've seen friends of mine posting that on social media and, okay, this is my schedule. It's a schedule just like any other work day, but I'm doing it from home. And it's really inspiring to see people doing that and publishing it because when you tell other people what it is that you're doing to hold yourself accountable, they're holding you accountable to a certain extent. Totally. Um, but I want to get into just your career because you had a big turning point in 2014. You released what became a viral video that now has almost 14 million views uh, in partnership with Channel 4. And so I want to hear just a little bit about that, how that came to be and what that has done for your career. Oh, yeah. Gosh, it really it really was a turning point. I think that the major thing that that video did for me was literally like send out an SOS signal to everyone in the world about like, hey, it's time to put our creativity and reimagine things that are just like not right with the world. That was really like sort of my message a little bit. Challenging what, what beauty really means. Totally. But also I felt like very normal and just myself all my life, as long as I can remember and so I kind of always felt a little bit as an outsider when it came to uh, the ideas and methods of conversation or cultural sort of ways of how we deal with, with disability. And it's been a bit tricky for me because I know that I'm part of it and I know that I have had a very big influence and at the same time, the biggest lesson that I've learned is that it's actually moving away from 
those methods and moving more into like, let's bring all of you guys and normalize this and let's bring you like, you don't need a special event. You don't need like a special extra, extra gathering. I mean, besides sports, which is kind of seems like fine, you know, it's, it's really about like real integration and real diversity, which, you know, we can, we can get into that a little bit later, but the video, you know, it was interesting because I, I, I performed at the Paralympic closing ceremony in 2012 uh, as a total accident, they just kind of casted me as this snow queen, like uh, three weeks before the Paralympics. And before you know it, I was like in the stadium with 90,000 people <laughs> dancing, which like, I'm not a dancer. And when I was there, that was the first time I realized that actually, wait a minute, this is a global topic. This is such an important historical turning point where like people with physical differences or illnesses, I literally were starting to be seen as people again, like for the first time, you know, on, on like a larger scale and the visibility that it was giving, you know, to just demystifying like how it all works and how do you do stuff when you wear a prosthetic or whatever. But there was a very disconcerting uh, aftertaste because I really felt like an anomaly at that event. Like there were athletes, there were like war veterans, but I did not see other artists. I did not see like normal people, teenagers. Like it just, it just felt so surreal and my positive attitude and how I was fully like, oh my God, like you have no idea. I got rid of this really bad uh, body part that was not working. And now I have this diamond leg. Like I was really, like I was so happy and I could see people were like, am I allowed to tell her that she's beautiful? Or like, am I even allowed to find this, like to find her sexy or like, you know, you could see people's reaction was like, really like, whoa, like, I don't know what to do with the thoughts that I'm having at all. And like, is this right? Is this not right? And so by the time Channel 4 happened and they got in touch with me, um, bearing in mind that I wasn't even like making a, a statement out of my prosthetics for my music or anything, you know, they were like, look, you know, we've searched farm wide and there's just, you know, we want to do something post-Paralympics that is more cultural, you know, and they were like, we just can't find anyone out there that can, that can do something from entertainment perspective to a more like high level, you know, and I was like, let's go, like, let's do this. And it took a year to assemble all the parts, you know, we wrote the music and stuff. And, and I have to tell you by that point, like literally I felt like my life depended on that video because by that point I've tried all kinds of creative outlets and career and everything like that. And also like that final thing of like sort of validation that actually like having this difference, having this different life, this different perspective, you know, and from that moment when I was like almost ended up at the orphanage, I was like, I am going to bring this to the big screen with all of my influences, you know, with all my 
love for fashion and art and and just really just showcase that you know pop culture can be deeper that it can be much more moving and I have to tell you that you know at the time where you would google an amputee model or artist or or anything to do with disability and fashion or art like where literally almost nothing came up other than like uh, Amy Mullins and Matthew Barney's work and Alexander McQueen, this entire field with the internet has literally grown from zero to where it is right now in the time since the release of that video. And that has been so magical because I have, I feel like out of all the kind of minority groups out there, the physical difference category and especially disability, they have just completely taken their own ownership of their image of you know the way the influencer model has worked for that it's I think it's incredible because you know I know so many friends of mine they're not waiting for magazines or fashion labels to brand them they're just like no (laughs) like this is what you should expect from a person in a wheelchair this is what you know this is the kind of range that and talent or uh or fierceness or like whatever that you should be expecting and i don't think that's really like that's like amazing that that's that was possible to be honest and i've seen it like all develop in front of my eyes like literally in the last like probably 3 years that's when it kind of really accelerated and it's it's been amazing and but i also feel that now and like sometimes I get a little stick for for saying this but like I also feel that now that the word is out there now that there is quite a bit of visibility now this is when it's important to turn it up and not let it just be about being a spokesperson for diversity or for whatever thing that you know you represent and actually like go out into the world and like engage in the work. And I I think that is something that I really, really, really want to see more of right now. And, you know, the platform is here. The visibility is here. It's so easy to make your voice heard now. And I really hope that the next step uh, of this like little evolution is like, let's see some thought leadership. Let's see some you know, artistry, let's really like create some change and impact. This is your time. This is your time to like actually make impact in the world. And it's fantastic. You know, actually my friend quoted some history yesterday saying that uh, something like uh, 0.5 of all history uh, was written by women. Wow. (laughs) And she's like, girls, go start writing. Go start writing. Like, and you know, it's and it's the same, it's the same message. It's like you just gotta like get out there and start impacting and and, and actually making things. So exciting time, really. And so you've been involved with the MIT Media Lab. Tell me a little bit about what you're working on with them. So from my super non-traditionally educated life in London and all of the kind of subculture and fashion and music and everything and art, um, I was invited to be um, a director's fellow at MIT Media Lab shortly after Prototype. 
which blew my mind and honestly has kind of like transformed um, my life probably the most out of all things that have happened to me because, um, you know, I, um, so the director's, uh, the director's fellow program was created by uh, Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn. And, and at the time, the director of MIT Media Lab, Joey Ito, and, you know, they created this program to find people around the world who had that kind of X-Man kind of super innovator kind of like mindset, but weren't necessarily going to find themselves in an academic environment. It basically gave me the opportunity to meet the most insane innovators in the world. And so I kind of dived into the world of innovation for a good couple of years, you know, and this is kind of why I took some time out from music because like I needed to understand what are the potentialities. So a lot of the the, the major thing that's happened is um, after kind of being exposed to all of that network and doing some work with the biomechatronics lab um, at the MIT Media Lab, which is super fascinating. They make bionic limbs, but also very, very uh, long-term goals, <laughs> which don't always align with my goals because I'm like, let's make it snappy. Let's try it right now. Um, but, the, you know, the, the biggest thing that it's allowed me is, uh, so I, I did a project last year with uh, Rolls-Royce where uh, they commissioned me to make a this brand art film, you know, and that's a very good example. You know, I was able to bring together under one roof the most diverse, like, set of people that were working in wildly different worlds. You know, people that are working, we, we, we like, invented the world's smallest Tesla coil that went into my 3D-printed shoe <laughs> and had a like, you know, had mapped out my body and like we had real current electricity running th inside of my leg as if it was like the bones. And, uh, you know, the whole concept was really that we're kind of, you know, us, us humans and the things that we create, there was this sort of space in between where we, we sort of don't think about it. We really, you know, my, we really kind of usually think that here's the biological and here's the mechanical. And in my experience, because I've had to kind of merge, right, I really had to be like, let's design every single line and silhouette and texture of my artificial limb. It really forced me to think about like the things that we create a lot less like, oh, this is just something outside of me and, 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 and just this, this uh, you know, uh, lifeless kind of thing. And a lot more of like, it's an extension. It's an extension of our imagination. It's an extension of our expression and what we want to do. You know, our phones are literally like a magic wand in our hand where we're just doing so many things with them, you know. And so... In that film in Rolls-Royce, I was sort of the embodiment of the Rolls-Royce sort of machinery as like a woman. And, you know, it's, it, it was just, it was great, but, but that would never have happened without my 
sort of understanding of the world of innovators out there, you know, and I, and, and so, so bringing together extremely diverse collaborations, I feel like is such a, like a really, really needed thing in the world right now, because like, we just can't, I feel like we can't solve world's problems and human problems well enough if we don't truly diversify the approach and 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 sort of the disciplines because we're so tunnel visioned you know and so people making technology are not in touch with wellness and lifestyle or psychology and things that are really important to us as human beings and our values so you have this kind of disconnect and you know, more and more like the people that I'm working with and people that I know, it's really about bringing that together, sort of understanding the future of the human lifestyle as a whole, as opposed to just like individual pockets. I mean, honestly, like, I feel like the biggest takeaway from everything recently is us as humans, we we need to widen our lens, you know, because we just see the things that are right in front of us and you just can't make informed decisions when you don't see the bigger picture, you know? Um, and we're getting like kick up the butt to do that right now. You know, we're being forced to, um, oh my God, I was reading this uh, article yesterday uh, about, it was kind of almost romantic and poetic really about how, you know, we, you know, we, 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 dis- we, we disregard viruses. We're kind of like, the, you know, we don't, we don't really, have any relationship with them they're just something and reality is is that like this virus came and literally showed us our complete united humanity you know you see every country like sort of reacting differently with different measures and stuff it's like no it's like this is this is a problem of the human like the virus doesn't discriminate it sees you and it's like, great, let's colonize this one. You know, it doesn't care about your income or or like, wait, what kind of health care does this one have? Which part of the earth are we at? You know, like there isn't, it's, it's nature and nature is kind of forcing us back into a unified place where, you know, we have to start thinking about each other and, you know, we just got to like stick together and like buckle down and, and, and actually like, sort of start to have like a deeper understanding of like who we are and what we want and how we're kind of leading our lives. You know, I think it's, 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 um, and what a flourishing time to think of all the new things we could invent for the internet or entertaining ourselves or educating ourselves. I feel like more than ever, like digging deep into things that are meaningful for you, like really matter. I just, um, I, I don't think I mentioned this to you before, but uh, I am, um, I'm, um, I'm basically working on a high heel adjustable foot, prosthetic foot for women, which literally just doesn't exist in the world. <laughs> in year 2020, if you're an amputee woman or if you just had an accident, you're going to go home and pretty much throw away all your shoes. <laughs> like, that's where we at. What an opportunity. What a huge opportunity. I think you're someone who has 
spent their entire life redefining what success means and challenged what success means uh, in a world where everybody around you is telling you what you are, what you should be, how you should feel about yourself, how, you know, how your position in society, what your role should be in society, how you should think about yourself. And, and that's a really interesting thing. And we all have the opportunity, especially in this wild time, to redefine what success means for ourselves. Victoria, I'm curious, what does success mean to you right now? Honestly, I think that like being able to live with true sort of meaning, being able to weave in all the core things that really matter to me in my everyday life, in my work life, into everything, that to me, like I feel like I'm in a really good place with that. And I feel like the happiest that I've ever been simply because I know that it's like there's no acting. There is no people pleasing. There is no veering off the script at any point because the script is literally just coming like straight from like a pure kind of human motivation that I have. And it really took me up until like the last few years to get to that point, you know, just like live straight from like your gut feeling. And I feel like sort of in the zeitgeist out there, the general message is starting to be a lot more um, for everyone to start living from their from their core values and from their feeling, you know, um, from their intuition. And you just can't, you just can't go wrong because, and, and that's where the, you, your unique sort of like path starts to unfold is when you tap into that, because only you are capable of following your like inner intuition and your gut instinct. And every single little step that you're going to do is going to create like the unique sort of tapestry. Like that's the only way. And you can't do it if you're not tuned into that because you're literally going to be like, st- it's it's a difference between like stepping on a treadmill and like paving your own little road stone by stone. It's literally like as, as, as big as that really, you know? And so I think anyone, any, any time I meet anyone who has, being able to activate their like purpose, mission, uh, core values into like, uh, you know, into their day-to-day life and into their work. Like you can just tell because, you know, when you're in that space, like your energy and enthusiasm and resilience and creativity is on another level. It is not, it is, it, it, it kind of becomes superhuman somehow when you're in that zone, you know, because you really care, you really, really care once you have felt a realization that, you know, the things that matter to you, it's like, you know, if you're not actually putting your time, like you have one life, you have one opportunity to be here. You have so many hours in the, in your waking day, it's like, where are you putting that attention? If that attention isn't going onto things that actually matter to you, then who is benefiting? Like you're probably not at your best. You're probably not, you know, you're operating at half speed. And like, once you've realized that you can't go back really, 
you know, I feel like you're someone that has had that. Like once you know, you're just like, whoa. <laughs> so we have this thing called Girl Boss Moments here on Girl Boss Radio. And it sounds like you're really striving to have new girl boss moments every day. And this can be as small as putting on a little makeup and feel better, feeling better about yourself or, um, you know, working on finding a way to work on your album when you have to do it remotely. Victoria, what was your most recent girl boss moment? The thing that really came to my mind is um, this, this whole writing album thing is, is next level. And the reason why it's next level is because I've been working in entertainment for like 13 years and I've been making music for about, I don't know, 15 years or something. And I am at a place right now where I'm making like a record with top people in the industry with zero backing or support from anyone on my own terms, on my own rules, like literally living my best life right now. And I have to tell you, like it definitely took a minute to get here, but this this every day, like I just, I'm, I'm every day I'm like living my girl boss moment right now because it's like just being able to have my team and knowing that like I'm doing what I've wanted to do, like as long as I can remember on my own terms, it's, it's incredible. You know, I think, I think that, um, finding your people, your supporters, um, and like striving for your ultimate like goals is just incredible. Like it's, it's, you just can't, you just can't really sort of get more than that. It's brilliant. Uh, Victoria, last question. Where can we find you? Yeah. Oh. Other than in your house online, where can we find you? <laughs> um, yeah. So you, you can find me, uh, I'm on my Instagram quite a bit. So it's just Victoria with a K Modesta like M-O-D-E-S-T-A. And um, you can find my music on Spotify and all the other platforms. And if anyone has kind of um, any any more deeper sort of questions or anything, you could always reach me through my website, which is just victoriamodessa.com. And yeah. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for coming on Girl Boss Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it for our show this week. A big thank you to Victoria for calling in to record this episode from home. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Be sure to share your love of Girl Boss Radio on Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag Girl Boss Radio. If you tag me and Girl Boss, we might just reshare it. And as always, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a big difference. That's it for me. Stay safe. Stay sane. I'll talk to you next week.